The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Thin links are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team Tidy Business, baby. Welcome to a wonderful episode of The Conference Room, the show where we get asked questions by you, our lovely listeners, and uh, we just essentially get Rachel to answer, you know, all of them and, and, and have a good little fun time because she's really the brains of the podcast here. So, Rachel, first of all, how are you doing? Good. I just went on like a nice little 5K walk. That's nice. Yeah. So nice. I um, <laughs> We'll get into this maybe on Friday's episode, but uh, yeah. somebody deleted my like three weeks worth of work for me and I was not a happy camper this morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So we that that's definitely a story for Friday's uh, uh, episode because I feel like we're going to be hearing, hearing, hearing a lot about that. But let's just hop in. First conference room question. Rachel, how would you fix the Ducks over the next two to three seasons? They've had a rough go. Um, there, there seems to be some pieces there, but this is definitely a team in transition. They had a tough season this year. You know, their their GM and coach are kind of on the hot seat. There's some. It's definitely a team that's sort of in no man's land. What would you do if you, the future first female GM, GM in NHL history, was given the Ducks title? Um, I think first of all that GM kind of has kind of run its course, but. The yeah. owners in Anaheim are, are notoriously like hands off. So, how long has has Bob Murray been there? Uh, Do you know? Since Brian Burke left to come to the Leafs, so two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, yeah, basically a billion years. That is a long, a long one hundred years. Yeah, yeah, it's a long time to produce nothing. A conference final appearance. That's basically the the height of their success. Um. Now, in my research, I have figured out yeah. that the Anaheim Ducks are in the top three in drafting successfully in terms of players that they've drafted playing 200 games in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are the top producing team when it comes to defensemen. And it is like not close. Um, yeah, they are a defenseman factory. But it's not even just drafting. It's development. So like guys will go there like they'll get traded and they'll be a lot better or Anaheim will trade a young defenseman that looks like it's like he's on the upswing and then the Mm -hmm. new team like essentially just craters him and so um they're a factory for for D and so I think whoever is handling the the development and like the scouting staff you keep them they clearly are very good at their jobs. Um, but for me, I think that there are some definite uh, hard decisions that need to be made. So like Ryan Getzlav is a UFA. I would keep him around, obviously at a m- much cheaper value than 8.25 million, but I think he's super valuable for, for young players. And, and a lot of players have said that um, Adam Henrique is a huge issue. Um whether it's a buyout, I don't really know what's happening there. Jacob Silverberg's contract isn't great either, but the Adam Henrique one is a is a massive issue. That's rough. Um, you're gonna want to keep Ricard Raquel. Otherwise, if you don't think you can re-sign him, then you're gonna want to trade him and get like a ton of assets. Um, 
But essentially, like, you've got a couple RFAs. So you've got Lundestrom, who I really like. Max Jones, I like. Sam Steele, I love Sam Steele and Max Comtois. Troy Terry. Yeah, Troy Terry, I'm not as high on. I think that um, he's potentially someone that could benefit from a change of scenery. On defense, though, with the... um, expansion draft coming like you've got cam fowler assigned until the end of time you've got josh manson hayden flurry Jakob larson and you've got hampus lindholm you're probably mm. going to lose one of those guys in the expansion draft um so it'll be interesting to see who they expose like to me i would who would you do i would i don't know who i'd expose just because i haven't looked at anaheim's numbers um but from what I know, like Cam Fowler hasn't been all that great, but he has a modified no trade. So does Josh Manson. So does Kevin Shattenkirk. But they don't have no moves, which means they can be exposed if I believe that's the case. But what I could see, what I would do if I were Anaheim is I'm going to protect, instead of doing the seven and three, I would do, um, you're just protecting, I believe it's eight or, I, I think it's eight, not nine. Um, yeah, I think it's eight. Yeah. I think it's four and four or seven. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would do is I would be, um, protecting likely four defensemen. You're not going to trade for Hayden Fleury and then not protect him. Um, and then like, Ooh, they're going to have some decisions to make there because they could lose one of their young players to expansion draft or Ricard Raquel. But for me, I think that they're actually a prime candidate to load up and and make an offer for Jack Eichel. And that's Damn. something I would be doing because you could very easily have a package built around Ricard Raquel, a first round pick and maybe um, somebody like Josh Manson or um, I don't know if you want to trade Hayden Fleury kind of thing. Um, Maybe it's Hampus Lindholm, but I think Anaheim without a doubt, like we haven't even mentioned Trevor Zegras or Jamie Drysdale yet. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. Those guys are untouchables. They're, they're the core. To me, though, I would trade if if Buffalo said we need to have Trevor Zegras for you to have Jack Eichel, that's a move I would do. Drysdale really? is a non-starter for me. Yeah, you would. So if, if he was the key to that, you would give up. I would give up Trevor Zegras I, I, I for mean, Jack Eichel. I mean, I guess if Jack Eichel in his peak, which he is right now, is is going to be a better player, is a better player than than Trevor Zegras would be. Like not not a knock on Zegris, but like Jack Eichel's a superstar, right? You know? And you've got like they've got Josh Mahura coming. There's Drew Hunter, who I or uh, yeah, Drew Hunter, who I think is pretty good. Um, Brendan Gooley's pretty good, right? And then we're like Jamie Drysdale is friggin' Jamie Drysdale. Uh, so for I love me, me like, some Lundestrom. I love me some Isaac Lundestrom. Yeah, he's he's good. I think he might be a yeah. piece they'd have to give up. Um, but like he's one of those pieces that he's great. Like he's he's really good. I really like him, but it's also like if you have to move him, it's not really the end of the world. Right. So in Anaheim, they're set up well in net. You've got John Gibson signed until the end of time, but then behind him, you've got Lucas Dostal, who I think is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um on D, like you've got Jamie Drysdale, Axel Anderson, Josh Mahura to boot with like you could literally let Josh Manson walk. You could you probably shouldn't, e- though. Expose. Uh, I don't know. You know what? I could see him being exposed. He's 29, and he's got 4.1 left. Um, so they've definitely got stuff coming on the back end. Up front, they really only have, like, Trevor Zegris and Jacob Perrault. After that... That was a great pronunciation, by the way. After that... Jacob Perrault. It is literally the thinnest forward crop. Like, 
It is yeah. not good, folks. And so I don't know that I would be in a hurry to be trading Lundestrom, Jones, Steele, Comtois. Like, if you're going to have to trade a young player, I think Troy Terry is that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but Raquel is probably the, the better candidate there. Uh, that's kind of how I'd fix Anaheim. I would just I'd continue to develop and work to get those contracts off. Like, even if you have to trade Henrique and package him with someone, like, why is Derek Grant signed? For two seasons after this know. one. Like, that's stupid. They, they like, these teams, specifically West, like, California teams, it seems, they love giving a lot of term, little dollars, but a lot of term to, like, these bottom six it's guys. Like, like, Trevor Trevor Lewis got, like, a four, didn't he get, like, a four or five-year deal in, in L.A., like, for one million a year or something? Like, it just, all these moves just don't really make sense. So, it's Like, I think Anaheim's funny, actually man. a lot closer than some of the other teams like they don't need a ton of fixing because they've done such a good job drafting and developing that it's just like next year Zegers and Drysdale will be there and immediately that makes you better yeah um they're gonna lose someone in Seattle but the reality is if they lose a forward you replace him with Trevor Zegers if you lose a defenseman it he gets replaced with Jamie Drysdale and odds Mm. are the guy that you're losing is not better than either of those players so I mean, if I'm Anaheim, I'm really not that worried about the expansion draft because of what you have coming. Um, Mm. But yeah, they're a lot closer. It's just the guy that's managing the salary cap to me is is not doing a very good job. Um, But I don't think there's a ton of fixing that needs to be done. So I hope that answers that. It does. All right. Let's move on to our next question. Rachel, give us a breakdown of what a GM does in a day. Let's do a day, not a week. Because we had that, let's do because we're running a little bit lower on time here. Give us a breakdown because you've been in a front office, you know, you've seen it happen in person. What is it? What does the average day of a GM look like from morning to when they clock out? Um, okay, not to throw anyone under the bus here, but I very rarely saw our GM because he was in Boston most of the time. Uh, Why was he there? Uh, his family's there. That's not where the team. That's not where the team is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but when he was there, I could tell you what he did, and a lot of that was managing up ownership. And depending on who your owners are, there's a lot of managing up that needs to happen. Like Josh Harris would call seemingly every 15 minutes. Um, hmm. I'm sure that happens in Vancouver. I'm sure that happens in Carolina. I'm sure like that happens in Montreal. Um, managing up is a big part of your day to day. Um, other stuff is you're checking in with other GMs and sometimes your assistant GMs will go a AGM to AGM with, with other teams, but you're consistently having conversations cause you never know kind of what could come up. You always want to keep your ear to the ground. So that's a mm-hmm. huge part of the day. Um, you'll correspond with your coach. Um, if not on a daily basis, definitely every game day. Um, you're constantly corresponding with the trainers because somebody's always hurt. Yeah. Um, and I would say like maybe once, once a week you're checking in with your scouts. Um, but a lot of it is checking in with your counterparts across the league. Dealing with league business is a, is another big one, whether it's like board of governors meetings you got to prepare for, um, things like that. But dealing with ownership is a huge one. Like at least in New Jersey, it was like we would spend, I I felt like we spent more time dealing and preparing like things for Josh Harris than we did actually like making the team better. Terrific. That's, that's just, that's definitely what devils fans want to hear, but no, I think well oiled machine. Yeah. But I think 
from a day to day as a GM, like you're consistently talking to your colleagues, um, you're corresponding with your head coach. If there's issues, you're talking to the players, like usually the leadership. Um, but yeah, you're, you're pretty much in, in constant communication with your owner. If, if you have one of those, and if you don't, then, uh, Maybe you're you're watching tape leading up to the deadline. Um, you're talking to your AGMs about what's happening with your AHL team because the, the the GMs do not watch their AHL teams unless like very rarely I would say. Um, Interesting. But yeah, like they usually there's a reason that the AGM is the GM of the AHL team, and so the NHL GM kind of depends on their AGM who runs the AHL team for. Um, that's usually their like lieutenant and that's who they depend on, uh, for opinions and stuff like that. But just kind of on a day to day, if you're traveling with the team, then you're just kind of like doing all that stuff, but you're on the road. Um, Mm -hmm. but it really depends on the situation you're in, but a lot of it, like no matter where you are, like you're in consistent communication with, um, your coaching staff, your trainers and, uh, your counterparts across the league. Makes sense. I mean, there's only so many hours in a day, right? Like you can't be you know essentially keeping really really close tabs on two teams at once that's that's a lot it's yeah it's a lot to deal with and um mm-hmm. if you're especially if you're dealing with like your counterparts across the league it's a, it's a lot to handle exactly all right last one let's make this a speed round here you can pick five jerseys from any era with a player on the back what jerseys do you want let's do this uh i think we'll, we'll both give answers for this one this seems like fun. oh yeah for sure yeah what's you you started off go for it i want the kachina mike johnson jersey of course don't you have that yes <laughs> yeah of course there you go um great you know favorite player of yours yeah. so and kachina jerseys are incredible i i'm a big fan of like like really not like when I say rare, I don't mean like all oh, game use. Like I'm talking about like rare, like players who played very little time for a team. So one, like the, the first one that I want is Wayne Gretzky, St. Louis blues Jersey. With oh, like yeah. the, the, the one with like the trumpet on it and everything. Okay, that yeah, would be a lot a of fun. Sick jersey. Yeah. I, and they brought him, they brought him back as like a vintage look. And those are awesome. I will have no slander. Oh yeah. Totally no, there no, will slander, be no for slander of those. No. All right. What's your second one? Um, the, I would like a retro New Jersey Devils jersey with... Yeah, with the green? Uh, with Damon, not the reverse retro that they rolled out this year. Like an actual retro jersey. Yeah. Damon Severson. Mm -hmm. Obviously. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I would love a Ole Jokinen Leafs jersey. Oh, jeez. I don't even know if there are any like actually in existence right now. The guy played, I believe, seven games with the Leafs. But... And it was like the old like 1967 like you know chunky leaf that they that they had there like when that was their third jersey. But I want that. Like I said, I love these like rare jerseys that no one like that barely were ever used by the player. Love love those jerseys. Definitely want that. Um, a Sundin Toronto St. Pat's jersey. Yeah, I mean, come on. But like. I, whether it's the new one or like the original iteration where it's actually green, like either one, I just think the same past jersey is awesome. That or the, you know, the Toronto Arenas jersey? The Aretnas? The Aretnas, yes. Um, yeah. Either the same past or the Aretnas jersey, but Sundin on the back. Um, I think, yeah, like I just think those jerseys are so clean. Yeah, they are. The, like, uh, yeah, the retinas ones are interesting. Also, the all white ones are, oh, are pretty yeah. interesting too. 
Really like those. Um, okay, next one. I want a I want a Kovalchuk Powder Blue uh, Atlanta Thrashers jersey. Ooh. I loved those jerseys. Those were clean. Like for look, the Thrashers they were a terribly run organization. You know they 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 made the playoffs one time and got swept. Whatever. But they they had some pretty sweet jerseys. I'm not gonna lie. I I really like those. So yeah, Kovalchuk Powder Blue Thrashers. Who fire me up? Yeah, that's. That's a pretty uh that's a pretty sick jersey. Um I will go um I would like a Joe Sackick Quebec Nordiques jersey. Yep. Like the powder blue one. Yep. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think the Nordique jersey is one of They're incredible. one of the nicest uniforms across pro sports in sports. Um 100%. Absolutely insanely good. Um, and either, um, no, I th- it, it would have to be either Joe Sackick or um, Peter Stastny. Yeah, yeah. Stastny would be really cool. Stastny would be super really, cool. Really, really yeah. cool. My, my fourth one has a bit of a story behind it. I'll tell it really quick. So one time I was covering a Marley's game and they were having their equipment sale. And Ooh. I was looking, I was looking at the jerseys cause they had like a bunch of, they had a bunch of jerseys, like game used or whatever jerseys team issued game used, whatever. And I'm looking through the rack and I stumble upon 46 Polak and I'm like, what po- Roman Polak never played for the Marlies. That's really weird. And then I go, Oh wait, no, this is the season where, you know, he, this is the season after the, the, the Washington series where he like folded his knee in half and oh he had to God. rehab and he was, and he was uh, like, he, he was kind of on the market for the first, you know, f- like I think it was like eight games this season. Then they actually, they finally brought him back. So I guess what the plan was is to maybe have him do a conditioning stint or something with, uh, with the Marlies, but he never ended up doing it. He, ca- he went right into the NHL. Now the thing about that Jersey was I took a picture of it and I tweeted it. And this was back when I didn't understand my influence on Twitter was I went, you know, 500 retweets and I'll buy this Roman Polak Jersey. And by the time I went, by the time I got back from the sale up back to the press box, it was well over a thousand retweets. And so I'm like, oh no, do I have to buy this? And I'm a broke student at the time. So then I, I go down and I ask the guy, like, how much is this jersey? And the guy goes, 300 bucks. And I go, I'm not, and I go, I'm not paying $300 for a Roman Polak Toronto Marley jersey that never actually, like, it basically doesn't exist. Now, I do know of someone who followed me on Twitter ended up buying it. Um, and I, because I was a coward, but I want that Jersey. I want my Roman Polak team issued Toronto Marley's Jersey that never actually saw game action yet. was still getting sold That's at a game cool. use price. I'm having issues between three and mm. they all have their reasons for like my final one. Just rapid fire them. Okay. So I want a like red Maurice Richard Jersey because my stepfather is related to him that's really really cool i did not know that yeah like he's a, his last name is richard like this is not a, i didn't know that that richard yeah oh we're learning um, new things about each other every day look at that yeah so that to me that's the only montreal canadians jersey allowed in the house because well, like see, yeah <laughs> they have a billboard in this city do you see that mm, yep yeah um the other one is you know though like powder blue pittsburgh penguins jersey yeah, yeah i like those Sidney crosby mm-hmm yeah. Just because like, I think like that that jersey is so cool, but the jersey I'm gonna pick, like what they wore, like the their, their OG uh, Winter Classic. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. It's a good one. The one where Crosby got his brain turned into soup. Dave Steckle, baby. Yeah, but the one I'm gonna go with 
is the Winnipeg Jets original iteration, yeah. Timu Good. Solani. Oh. Or Dale Howarchuk, either one, but that jersey. Oh, that's good. That's really that really, really good. That jersey is like up there with the Nordiques. Absolutely, like just so clean. I really like that. So I yeah, really give me like Solani that. or Howarchuk. I don't care which one, but that Jets jersey. I really like that. All right, my last one. It's another Leafs one, but it's it's more of a it's more it's more a symbol of what could have been. I want a Brian Leach Leafs jersey because. <gasps> He could, he, the Leafs acquire Brian Leach. He, he was a point per game player from the deadline out. They ended up on so, so good in his playoff series that he played in there. He also had there. They also run Francis on the team and everything like that. Um, that was the last time, by the way, that they, that they won a playoff series. We were eight years old, Rachel, you and I, I Um, that's going to change. Uh, yeah, I have a feeling that's going to change. Um, but the lockout came the next season. And all the con- and McCabe yep. was, or uh, not McCabe Leach was on under contract for the next year, but because of the lockout that year voided like was voided by all these other players, so they unfortunately weren't able to bring him back. We could have had a year and a half, possibly more of Brian of like Brian Leach on the Toronto Maple Leafs could have changed the course of that franchise in the in the intermediate. But I and then it, the, the franchise went to the die hole after that. Exactly. But Bri- Brian Leach Leafs jersey, I remember thinking that was the coolest thing in the world. And that is that is one jersey that I would love to see, seek out, or Ron Francis Leafs jersey too, number ten Ron Francis, either one. There you go. But I love those rare ones. All right, we have reached the end of the of the conference room. I was about to say press conference, but boy, SDP lawyers would have been you know down our throats. On it. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at Staff and Graph. You can find Rachel on Twitter at Rachel Dory, me on Twitter at MikeyStevens81. We have a new episode of the Staff and Graph podcast where we wrap up all of the divisions, make some playoff picks, have a good time coming out on Friday. So enjoy this until then. Rachel, do you have anything to say before we, before we head out? Wear a mask and get vaccinated. Yeah, baby. See you Friday.